So we are, um, this week we're going to be talking about Jesus as a forgiver and as a lover and also as a miracle worker. I get my weeks mixed up because we're working on so many at one time. So yeah, so who, like our whole goal in this is to introduce you to parts of Jesus that maybe you're like, I've never thought about him in that way. Like last week we talked about, you know, what really is, are his sermons really about? And what was the reaction that people had to them? And so, um, you know, that might have got you thinking, like, I, I've never thought about that before. And that's part of our, part of our goal. So um, last week, this is what we talked about. We talked about that Jesus' sermons were good news to some people. Remember, he said, I came to preach the good news. But a lot of people... His sermons were very offensive. They walked away offended. They walked away angry. Um, they, they walked away thinking, you know, how can you be including this person? Or how can you be saying that? What does it mean, um, blessed are the, the meek or those kinds of things? So we talked about absolute ideals. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus put these really high ideals and really laid out the holiness of God, like this is how high the bar is, right? So even if you are angry at somebody, you should just think of it as murdering somebody. And, and what that does is it, it kind of, it's like the, um, the Old Testament law. It kind of breaks us. Like it's like we've got this big thing on our back and we realize who we're dealing with, this holy, pure God right? Mm -hmm. That he is holy in every way and his standard is very high. And so out of one hand, he's high out of, I know we're, there, but I hear a voice. I hear a voice. Yeah. Sit wherever you'd like. Um, well, don't sit by yourself though. Yeah. So if more people come, you know, hopefully somebody else will come. So, but, um, so these holy, holy ideals, right? And then, so with that, this hand, he's, he's kind of dishing that out. And then with the other hand, he's going, yeah, but I'm here with grace for you. Like, mm -hmm. I'm here for the broken. I remember we talked about blessed are the desperate. And sometimes facing all of that, like going, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't, if, even if I'm frustrated with somebody, I, I've committed murder, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. Good. Like, I think he, he just, Jesus is just like, oh, good. She realizes she can't do it on her own. That's a good thing. So his absolute ideals and absolute grace. His grace goes out to, and we're going to talk a lot about that today, about him as the lover of our souls, that the lover of humanity, that his grace really does extend. And then he talked, the themes of his sermons really was to describe the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know, Robbie, do you want to say anything about that? No, he doesn't. Well, not yes, without. he does. No, he doesn't. <laughs> okay, all right. So yeah, so just thinking, think a lot of his, like he talks more about the kingdom of heaven in his sermons than he does anything else. He describes it. He says the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of heaven isn't like in the clouds somewhere. Like the kingdom of heaven is already here with us. We're already part of that. Like you remember when we. Thank went you. through the, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And that's really the core of what we're talking about. You don't have a kingdom without a king. 
Right. And the invitation to be in relationship with God is as Savior and Lord and as the king ruling over. And his reign is different than what we see on earth. And the, the rules that we see and how things are supposed to make sense mm. don't really make sense in the kingdom of God economy. Just even, yeah. even as you read, you know, our culture says, blessed are the hard-boiled, blessed mm -hmm. are those who work and strive and beat people up and get their way and, and make sure that they're noticed. And the kingdom of God is way more about serving, uh, serving and loving and humility and yeah. grace towards people, which is, wow, how can I do that? I mean, I, I, did you know what my neighbor did recently? And then you go, the absolute ideals should bring you to the absolute grace hmm. of how much I need that you know, mercy. And I need a king to give me the guidance to know where I should be. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay, so we always want to talk about our just our ground rules. Again, um, one of my favorite, I mean, even in the top there, that we're a group of learners. If you walk out of here going, we're all just a group of learners. That's all we are. Robbie's learning, I'm learning, Chris Gabe, everybody here, we're all learning. Even Jackson's learning. So um, we're, <laughs> we're all learning together, and we're going to be curious. We're going to respect each other. Um, we're mm -hmm. going to be patient with each other. We've done a really good, don't you think? Mm -hmm. We've done a really good job with this. And um, we were talking to Tammy a little bit earlier. She said, tell me a little bit about the class. And I just said, I just think they're really starting to know each other and, and like each other and trust each other. And that, if nothing else, that's a really great gift mm -hmm. that we have in this class. Mm -hmm. All right. So remember, we've been collecting these questions. And so I kind of wanted to just bring those questions to your attention and let you see that this week we're going to talk about, um, I, Alex, I think this might have even been your question about is, is this, is grace, is, is Christianity just for the good people? And who gets grace? And that's what we're going to talk about this week. Next, uh, not next week, but week eight, Chris and Gabe are going to have like a big Q&A. And um, Robbie and I won't be here. We're just going to let them kind of lead that with you. So you guys have your pastors talking to you about questions that are on your heart. So that we're going to talk about, or they will ta be talking about those questions. But this week, we're going to talk about um, these two questions. Not directly, but you'll, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right, so Robbie. We, yeah, we just thought just for the, the fun of it, I'm going to tell my story and I just thought we would just so you can see everybody here this is Gabe when he was at West Point he's 18 years old right there we came up and visited him there Chrissy this is at one of our ski trips and he's 15 years old so he's younger than Jackson on that that's what he looked like Jackson part one yes. I know. That, doesn't that look like you yeah. With the this hat is, on, right? As long as you yeah. got the hat on. As long as you got the hat on. This is my girl at her college graduation. And this is me in our high school annual. And I was a Christian all of maybe six months. Brand new believer. Um, had no church background at all. And somehow, somebody had given me a Bible to read. I never had a Bible before. 
And so I'm standing in there in the computer room and, you know, somebody from the annual just came by and was snapping pictures of us and just said, by that time, I was kind of already known as a Christian. And so there's, there's my picture 45 years ago. So the, um, the interesting thing about my story is I was not raised in a family of churchgoers. It was a little bit like my mother was Catholic, but she didn't really know what that, what that was to live that out. And my dad was Lutheran only because he had gone to a Lutheran school. And he just knew he was against Catholics. That's like literally the limit of my dad's understanding. Like Martin Luther didn't like him, right? <laughs> my dad doesn't know anything about Martin Luther, but he just knew he was not supposed to be in the Catholic Church, and yet he married a Catholic. So um, this was, I, I was raised, no conversations that I know of really about God or about anything to do with et eternal life or heaven. Like, I don't even remember those conversations at all. And um, we were in Illinois at the time. My dad was a, a songwriter, and he fronted a band called Bobby Fisher and the Toon Sharks. And he was a big fish in a small pond. So we were in the Quad Cities, if you know where that is, in Illinois, right on the Iowa-Illinois border. And he played in these clubs, and it was a big deal. You know, there's a picture of me sitting on Santa Claus's lap, and I remember him saying, I'll bring you what you want if you'll get your dad's autograph for me. So this like surreal, like Santa Claus wants my dad's <laughs> autograph. This is really amazing. <laughs> right? um, that would be amazing. So, so that was our family situation, and my dad wanted to try to make it big. And so he moved down to Nashville for a season. And the interesting thing is our family, the family of origin and their family of origin, really dysfunctional. Lots of stories that we do not need to say here because then you'll be weeping rather than mm -hmm. celebrating. Um, but he moved us then down to Nashville and put us right in a community of believers. He didn't mean to do this. This was God's story that he was telling in a whole different way. I always say if you don't believe in um, the sovereignty of God or election, then I don't know how to describe my wife and I. Mm -hmm. Because we come from families that are so whacked, and it's like, yeah, but not you. I'm pulling you out of that, and I'm telling a different story, having a new beginning with this. And so that's what happened, and... When I was in high school, I literally came to a football game. I played football, but I was not that good. And I, I came to the game having been drinking, ironically enough. And like I jumped on the coach, uh, defensive coach's back, we're going to win. I got kicked out of, off the team. And I saw this, there was a, this one guy, he was a trainer, just a peer, just like us. But I remembered seeing something was different about him and and i only remembered this years later but something was going on in my heart something was moving me and i remembered years later i remember this there was a sign for calling dial a prayer like what teenager calls dial a prayer but probably 
weeks before I came to faith, I started calling this. I think it was to a Unitarian church. But they would just call and say some, some kind of prayer, and then you hang up. And I kept calling. <laughs> but, but it just shows. Yeah, and, and, and just and the, the, uh, no, the, the stories we have. Isn't it just amazing, the stories we have? That's right. And what we do. The reason I say that is for your encouragement in that, there, here's the analogy. If you throw a brick in a pack, into a pack of wolves, which one yelps? The one that got hit. Only the one that got hit. Everyone else is like, what are you doing? And one guy's going, arr, arr, arr. I was yelping. But I didn't even know I was yelping. I'm calling, as a 16-year-old, I'm calling Dial-A-Prayer. And it's an automated, whatever they're doing. I don't even know what they're saying. But it just shows. And so you have people around you that they might not be responding the way that you think, but their hearts might be very tender to what God is doing. So pay attention to that. The, the verse that stays with me is Ephesians 5. Stay in step with the Spirit. Like that's, that's the prayer. Lord, I want to join you where you're working already. I don't want to start a new work. I don't want to be the one creating this. Where are you coming alive in my parents, grandparents, and my neighbors, my co-workers? Let me join you there. So I was... Be- my interest was being perked. I didn't even know it. No one knew it. But this, this guy, when I got kicked off the football team, I went to him, same night, October 20th, 1977, which means in two days, it'll be my spiritual birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Um, and this, I, I went to the, my, that friend, who was just barely a friend, and I said, I am so sorry for what I did. And, you know, how could I ever, you know, make it up? And he said, you don't need to ask for my permission and my forgiveness. You need to talk to Jesus. That guy had been a Christian all of six months. And just to let you know, I think my conversion prayer was something like, Lord, make me like Marshall. That's about all I had going on. Like, get me out of trouble, because I'm about to go home and tell my parents I got kicked off the football team for no good reason that they would know. And um, everything changed. It's like God heard that little offering that doesn't measure up in any kind of great moments in prayer history, but it changed everything. It changed my direction. And I, I was immediately put into a whole different hemisphere of friends that led me a whole different direction than I had been. And I would have said I was purposeless. I didn't really even know why I existed. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know what my future was or, you know, where I should be. And literally everything changed. And um, so, hmm. yay God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what I would say, it was the mercy of God, it was the tenderness of God that drew me. It wasn't like over the head, like I felt such conviction and, and you know, my life was a wreck and everything. And it was just the kindness of God to, to, to like draw me in through dial prayer, just to draw me in. And then in, 
in a crisis for me, a 16-year-old crisis, but it wasn't a real crisis, but it was that moment and everything changed and he just spoke to me out of his tenderness, I think. And so there we are. And now this is supposed to lead you into this beautiful thing called Jesus as lover. And my girl's going to okay. talk us through that. Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus um, with this title, Jesus the Lover. So we're going to just spend a minute um, at your tables just talking about what comes to your mind when we say Jesus the Lover. Like what, what comes to your mind when we say that? Hmm. So talk just at your tables for a few minutes about that and then we'll... I'll tell you what is on my mind about it. So um, when, you're, when you're thinking about Jesus loves you, I, I remember, I think you said this, um, you know, that when we're talking about the complexities of the Bible or how, you know, what, um, what theology, you know, you can get so deep, you know, you can get up to your ears in all of that stuff, but it really does boil down to Jesus loves me, this I know right? That's it. Like if you, and if you can absorb that, that is a life changing, like that this perfect holy God that we talked about last week loves you individually, specifically, per, um, personally, right? Mm -hmm. And he loves um, all of us, like he loves all kinds. Mm. So he doesn't just love the good. He loves the, the, the sinner. He loves, Matt was saying, like the prostitutes. All, he loves all of them, right? So we're going to watch a, um, a video. This is not from The Chosen. So <laughs> if you're like, okay, another Chosen video. We do have some later. Don't worry. We will be sharing some Chosen. Um, but this one is from, uh, what's it from? Of, What's it called? The Passion, the of, passion the of the Christ. Okay. So I'd love to just hear your response, your reactions to this scene. Does everybody know the scene? Okay. So let's start right there. Thank you so much for being honest. It's pretty, pretty, pretty drastic just as you're watching it. If you don't know the scene, you're probably like, oh, my gosh. So... Um, let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, I'd like to read John 8, but let's read the whole story just so that we can... Does somebody have a, a Bible on their phone or Irene's got a real Bible? Okay, you've got a Bible too. So, oh, you can't see it. That's, yeah. <laughs> Who wants to read John 8? Where does it start, do you think, darling? Uh, verse 1. Verse 1. John 8, verse 1. Let's just, because we are going to spend some time reading some, uh, some of the Bible tonight. So I'm so glad that you guys have, um, have that. So, Alex, it's you. Sorry. That's okay. I was like waiting for you to get there. Then I was going to. John 8, 1 through 11. Got it? Um, then they all went home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such, one, uh, such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, uh, sorry. Uh, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Okay, so pretty intense. <laughs> This woman, and you know, part of, I'll just say this um, part, I'm so struggling to see where to stand so that I can see all you guys. Um, a, a lot of people ask, where was the man? She was caught in adultery, but whatever happened, she, she is drug out um, by these religious leaders and that by basically by their law, their religious law, they can kill her. And so, um, but as you saw here and as you saw in the verses, um, Jesus intervened and he did it in this really interesting way of asking that, you know, whoever of you hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone, you know. And so they uh, drop their stones and then he's left with the woman. So what, do you, what are your, what are your, um, what are your reactions to this, this seen how Jesus is treating her. Um, what are your reactions? She's angry. Mm. She's converted. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think, you know, that's one of the commandments, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the big sins. And yeah. she just mm. is very tender and has a lot of mercy. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, if he's out there preaching, uh, even if you look, like, you know, we're talking about the uh, Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. If you look, even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So the teacher who did that looked at this woman and said, I'm not condemning you. Mm -hmm. They're not condemning you. Based on the fact that the, he challenged them to look inward in their own life, right? And to say, hey, we're all... If you're guilty of this much, you're guilty, you know. So it's like the, if one chain is broken in the, uh, if one link is broken in the chain, the chain is broken, right? So it doesn't matter if it's 20 chains or, or 20 links or one. Um, what, where, what do you think the woman expected in that moment? What do you think she was feeling? What do you think she expected to happen in, the, in those moments? What was she going through? Yes. Mm. Yes. Right. Yeah. What do you think she thought of Jesus? Was Jesus was going to do? Uh, maybe condemn her? Is that what you? Mm -hmm. This is a very unexpected response. The the Pharisees didn't expect it. She didn't expect it. Um, it's it's a, a really great example of um, how just how much he loves right that he and he loves us not when we're cleaned up you know um you know i, I wish pat were here because she talks about that a lot don't have to kind of get 
all cleaned up. So who, is it only for the good? You know, Alex, that was your question. Who gets grace? Is it only for the good people? Actually, the answer is absolutely not. It's for the broken people. It's for the desperate people. Um, that's who gets grace. So what does this story help us know? Or sorry, how does this story help us know if God really cares? So this was also one of the questions that we mm-hmm. kind of brought up. How do you really know if God, if God cares about us? How does this story help us to, to answer that question? Yeah. So he loves you enough to say, mm. I, I know kind of like when I shared my story. So I've, hear, I've heard where you've been, mm. but where are you heading? <laughs> right. So that's that grace where God is. He's not just going, eh, it's no big deal, you know, or, you know, everybody makes mistakes or anything like that. He's saying what you did was wrong. Nobody's condemning you, even me. I'm not condemning you, but go and live a changed life based on the fact that I love you. So um, Robbie and I have like, I don't know if this is like an 80s thing. Y'all are most of, most of y'all are too young for this, but the uh, a life mission statement. Okay. So I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but my life mission statement is to live like I'm loved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I can just do that, If I can, in every circumstance I'm in, just say, but I know who loves me Mm. and I know I'm not perfect and I know, but I know I'm loved. I know I just made a mistake, but I know I'm loved. I know, you know, I'm worried, but I know I'm loved. You know, those I'm not, I don't, whatever it is, if I can live that way, I can flesh it out to other people as well. Mm. So, um, yes. Did you want to say something from the book? I saw Um, you pull the book over. We had page 160 is where Mm -hmm. that came from. That, that, okay. note, that question. So sometimes, you know, our, I think about how do you know if God really um, cares about you? And, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to talk next week about the crucifixion. And, I mean, there is a, you know, the incarnation tells us how much he cares about mm-hmm. us, right? Because he left the splendor of heaven to come be with us and connect with us and show us what he's like. Mm. But then, of course, for him to willingly lay down his life also. So, good, good. Okay, so let's talk about Jesus the forgiver. And of course, in that story, he is, he doesn't say, I forgive you, but he, he says, I'm not condemning you, which is pretty, pretty close there. So I want to talk about four stories in the Bible. And again, I, th- I think it would be good for us just to read the Bible a little bit tonight. Um, so I don't know if you can see the pictures, but we're going to start in Mark 2. We already saw this scene, um, but if somebody can read Mark 2, 1 through 6, there are t- there's two times in the Bible that Jesus actually says, I, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. So um, if we're talking about Jesus, the forgiver, let's, let's read. Who wants to read? You got it, Derek? Okay. Sure. Sorry, who's it? Is it your phone? <laughs> I was like, it's probably mine. No, I'm so sorry. Uh, okay, so we're going with two, one, two, one through six. Yeah. A few days later, when Jesus uh, again entered the 
outside the door when he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, lowered the mat, lowered the, mat mm-hmm. the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Mm. Now some teachers of the law, law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of funny, right? Keep going, keep going. Let's read one couple more. Sure. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? There, let's stop there. It should say eight, I think. Yeah, so who can forgive sins but God alone, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of a big, like, a big hint in this story that they were saying, yeah, that's right. But he looks at the man... And the first thing he does is he looks past his outward brokenness, which is really why his friends brought him there, right? And we, we saw that when we were talking about um, this before. But, and he said, your sins are forgiven. So he's looking, and that's true of all of us. Like he's, he, he knows our bodies are going to break down, right? There's all kinds of, we experience that all the time. But... But the point is, like, what's going on with your soul? Mm-hmm. That's what he really cares about. And that he looks at this man. Now, he later on, if you remember the story from when we watched it together, he does heal the man. But he, he starts with saying, your sins are forgiven. Okay, good, good. All right, let's look at the other time. And this one's in Luke 7, 36 through 50. Who can read that one um, for me? Yeah, yeah, thank you, boo. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more, more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she had not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she had anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven, for she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man 
that he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you for in peace. Perfect. Okay. Well, so what's your takeaway from this story, this woman? Um, again, it's a desperate person, a broken person, really in comparison to this Pharisee, right? There's a, he's at the house of this Pharisee. And I, I think it's interesting just to point out that he did say yes to the, like sometimes we think he doesn't say yes to the Pharisees. Like he's like, you guys are, you know, uh-uh. But he, do, he doesn't. He's, he's like, okay, if you invited me to dinner, I'm going to come, you know. And then the Pharisee does all of these things culturally that are very offensive, right? He doesn't give him something to wash his feet, which again, if you think about dusty sandals and all of that, that's very offensive. He doesn't greet, greet. He doesn't do the proper customary greetings. He does all of these things. So actually he's, his works in this story are kind of not so good, but the woman's works in this story, she's doing good things. So it's almost like, well, she's doing some good things. And then he, but obviously she's a deep sinner in desperate need of of him as well. So what are your thoughts about um, what, what she is, her, how he interacts with her and um, her desperation? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. That's good. Right. Like he sees the people who are calling Dial a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing you. Yeah. Right. It yeah. seems like he's responding to the, the intent that's kind of, that's, that's not stated, but the story is described with sort of the, the, the overt things like the Pharisees invited him, but he's sort of doing the passive aggressive things yes. like, pet, like not doing the, the mm. proper greeting culture and stuff. Right, right. Beyond what those things would be. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. And she has nothing to give, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, that reminds yeah. me. It was this, I don't know, it came up somewhere in here, but it was talking about not so much like what you give, but bringing, bringing your best mm. Jesus, acknowledging your, your offering, kind of like the Old Testament thing mm. where it's mm -hmm. like where the, the smoke goes up if it's accepted, but it has to be brought mm. with the best kind of, it has to, it has to be without the offerings have to be without, um, you can't hold anything back, I, I guess. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Without blemish. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and then Jesus says this thing about um, who, do you think, who do you think loves more? The person who was forgiven the small debt or the person who was forgiven the bigger debt? Mm. And so, again, I think if he's after our hearts, and sometimes we can look at ourselves and go, oh, gosh, I, I'm just such a mess. And he's saying, but when you receive from me, you know, like, you know, when you're not proud, when you're not resisting me, when you're saying I'm desperate, I know I'm in debt. Mm -hmm. That's when his, his forgiveness comes easy. 
um, freely, and that's when, when we can actually experience his love in a really beautiful and deep way. When do you think she's forgiven in the story? Well, because he's saying the one who's forgiven the greatest loves the most, so the whole story, she is lavishing him with love. Yeah. So something has happened in the interaction maybe before we know it, but she's believed that he is the way of forgiveness, and now she is responding already. Because it, it, you're the one that made me think that of she's lavishing, it, but it's not works. Yeah. She is not trying to earn his favor by showing up for church and giving some money and doing all the right things. She's responding because she knows she's been forgiven. But then they make a reference at the, I think, you know, um, what Lou was saying at the tail end of it uh, about her faith, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your faith has saved you. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, and again, it's, I think um, if, you, if this story is a story that you haven't ever heard before, you're, you know, it might be shocking, but I think that it, for most of us, it's just like, yeah, she just, you know, she cried and she went like, wait, wait, what? No, what? Mm -hmm. She did what? And, and, and I think that's why I really love this picture. Like, get your mouth off his foot, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, no, that's what she was doing. She was kissing his feet. We, have you ever seen someone kiss someone's feet? She loved him. She was worshiping him, and he was mm. receiving it. Okay, uh, let's talk about the thief on the cross. So um, Luke 23, 39 through 43. Who can read that one? 39 through 43. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. So one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. Don't you fear God, God, since you're under the same sentence. We are, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Mm. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, tell, uh, truly, I'll tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hmm. Why is it so small? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Every year they get smaller. Smaller and smaller. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the way out of it. I know. I know. Thank you. All right. So. Jesus is offering, he is telling this person who's being crucified next to him, the, we call him the thief on the cross, right? The man who's obviously done something terrible. All he's doing is acknowledging who he is, and he is offering him mm -hmm. eternal life. He's offering him par paradise. What are your thoughts about that? Mm -hmm. 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 Mm -
still, you know, still gave faith and mm. like, yeah. and, like love to God and God forgave him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, I think about that question, who is grace for? That man is not going to get a, any opportunity to do one single good thing, not one single good thing. So if that doesn't tell us what God's view mm. of work your way to heaven is, mm-hmm. God doesn't, that is not God's view. You cannot work mm. your way to heaven. Mm. All right, last one, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Mm. Rachel, you want to read that one? Can you read that one? Luke 18. I don't know about your prayer life, but I, I hope that I'm never praying to God. Okay, I did this for you. I did that for you. I did this. Thank goodness I'm not like that person over there. You know, that, um, that you know, and Jesus is looking at that going, hey, th- look at this other man who, again, it's that, it's what we uh, talked about last week. Blessed are the desperate, mm-hmm. right? This tax collector knows that he is... Um, you know, mm. he's desperate for God. Mm-hmm. And yet um, Jesus says he is the one that's going to go home justified because he knows and he's asking for grace. He's asking for forgiveness and um, not the, the man who's all clean and, and tidy. So hopefully those four stories will give you an idea of Jesus as the forgiver. Yeah. That's good. All right. This came from the book, and I just thought this was a great quote um, because Philip Yancey's talking about, well, does it even matter if we do good things? Like, should we even do good things? And he says, it does matter. What you do in this world does matter to God. He, you know, I think we were talking about the woman caught in adultery. He does say, go and live out, a, live a good life, right? Go and don't do this anymore. So that matters. But Yancey says, but it's simply not how we get accepted by God. So if you need to kind of think through that, like I loved this sentence because it, it helped me to kind of put words to, well, it, so it's not that you don't, you, you shouldn't do good things. You should, but that is not how God accept. That's not what it takes to be accepted from, by God. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say uh, something? No, no. Okay. Um, I was. You look, sure? No, I'm looking for the page that, for my thing. It's not. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So this this book, this question, sorry, came from the book too, and I thought it might be a good 
um, just thing for us to talk about too. How did Jesus, the only perfect person in history, manage to attract people like that woman who um, came and kissed his feet or the thief? What, what was it about Jesus that attracted people that were broken like that? What do you mm. think? Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. It's like they, he could look past what we were doing. Like even if you think about that paralytic, mm-hmm. he, he looked past his paralyzed legs to his sin and talked about, spoke about his spirit first. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he, he seemed to be able to do that, or people seemed to know that about him, that mm-hmm. that's, that's how he would receive them. Yeah. Mm, hope. That's good. I'm going to tell my story differently from now on. <laughs> that, you just tweaked it. That's good. But I mean, that is how a lot of people, I feel like, come to faith. They notice mm-hmm. something different about somebody else. And it's like, what, what's different about them? What do they have? Or, and you, you learn more about them and you realize that they're different. That's right. Right. Yes. I'm well. just gonna. I don't know. I I put my faith in this, and there's a, a component of God. And right. Oh my goodness. Yes. Put my faith mm-hmm. in here and these people. I'm just gonna follow what they're doing because they yeah. managed to make it farther than I have. Right. So I get to. I have a mm-hmm. TV coming up for me tonight because I'm thinking, how does like? Well, this guy is perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna follow yeah. him. His example. Somehow he didn't come across as. Like yeah, pious, or you know, like yeah, just like he didn't yeah. he didn't come across as somebody that you couldn't access or you couldn't um, that mm-hmm. didn't want to be around you because you were you weren't good enough. Yeah. Good. 
Okay. Uh, we probably need to turn the speaker back on. I think okay. it just went off. Did it just go off? Like okay. literally just. just I'll go. turn it back on right now then. No, it's always okay. in my head. All right. Okay. All right, coming around the final turn. Um, first of all, give us a little advice, because um, we're probably going to do this class again next semester. The book, Helpful or Not Helpful? Okay, keep it up. And we're going to do this probably in the last week of just ask for some feedback and advice. But we want to make this class the most accessible for someone who's looking for Jesus. So please help us with, when, the, when you had these three questions, I kept chewing on that. Those two things kind of didn't take me where I needed to be or something like that. But we, we're desperate for making this the best so that people that are attracted, hopefully as, as this becomes a staple in New City, that lots of folks will meet Jesus or have conversations about Jesus that they haven't had before. That would really be cool. So you guys get to be part of creating that. Okay, so I'm going to show this as promised. <laughs> the miracle worker, Jesus. Here's a short clip. This is, I mean, just, just watch Jesus here. This is just devastating. This man, how he portrays Jesus, you just kind of say in your heart, that's who I know him to be. You know, it's so beautiful. So, All right. Why do you think Jesus performed this miracle? Oh, that's a good insight. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. He says, my sister was at the, uh, the wedding where you served this, and she told me. So again, it shows you how much your story matters, can change people's lives. What else? So you're, you were saying because he had faith. Yeah. Okay. What else? Why do you think he did this? I agree with that. To have seen it. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that, but for sure, always the disciples, he's teaching them and, and training them up, for sure. And who is the lady in the. So she's the one that you see that brings the folks who. Yeah, that's, the, that's the same ship. Yeah, that's exactly. She lowers. She's part of the group that lowers the uh, young man down and, and he's healed. Yeah, so you don't know that from the scripture, but. But it's interesting how they put it together. So, okay, so now we're going to get a little bit different on you because all of those were true, but 
to play devil's advocate, how many people had leprosy in that time mm. and were not healed? Mm. How many people had faith? And faith might have connected them to Jesus, but they might not have ever been cured of leprosy. So something else is going on even deeper. And so here's what he, Yancey says on page 177. The Messiah was not going to save the world by the miraculous. Page 177 towards the bottom. If you're looking, you want to follow along? I'll start that again. The Messiah was not going to save the world by the miraculous, by band-aid interventions, a storm calmed here, a crowd fed there, a mother-in-law cured back down the road. Rather, it was going to be saved by a deeper, darker, left-handed mystery at the center of which was going to include his death. Page 177. So now, why do you think? So all, all of those reasons that you gave, they're surely true, and there's lot, so much more. It's so wonderful to see his heart towards compassion. But now what would you say, what would you add to that question? Why did he perform this miracle? What's it pointing to? Something bigger. The resurrection. I think it points to the resurrection, all things being made new, all things being made whole. He's showcasing that this is a hint of one day something else happening more. So you just said the, fir the, the first miracle, so... I'm going to show you that clip there. But um, the cool thing about when Jesus performs the miracle of the water to wine, it's always the miraculous that water could come from the heavens and, and fertilize and bring life and grapes come out of it, right? It's, that's miraculous. I mean, we know it and it happens and you plant the seeds and it does it, but it doesn't make it any more, less miraculous. But one time, Jesus took off his mask, and he said, it's always me. And he turned the water into wine immediately. And so this is a sign, is what miracles are called, a sign pointing to something greater and deeper. So let's watch this last little clip, since we just want to see it. <laughs> Miracles are a sign of restoration to come, which you said, Irene. Uh oh, we don't want that. Um, so the the first line you might not have caught it, but he says, the first cut that you make in the stone. Now, now it's going forward. The plan is in place. What do you think that means about this? Here, let me say this first. The miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. Another translation would say, this is the first sign of the Messiah. So what do you think is going on here 
and especially they're giving you a clue when it says the first cut in the stone starts everything in motion. What do you think's going on? Absolutely. This is the start of the crucifixion, the passion of Christ. Because once the miracles come, now he is lining himself up against all of the Pharisees, the religious people, everything. Now it's now the plan's in place. Mm-hmm. That's the sign. What do you think's in Jesus' mind at this time when this is happening? If it's go time, then. <laughs> if it's go time, <laughs> it's yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, everything led up to yeah. this, right? Mm-hmm. What he came for. Mm-hmm. You know, his, you know, everything led up to this beginning mm-hmm. and then Yeah. And so, interestingly enough, every uh, young lady, when, when you're uh, dreaming of your future life, you're dreaming of the day maybe where you'll wear a gown and do some kind of walk down the aisle. You know, we, we just celebrated 37 years. I'm thinking that maybe Jesus is thinking the same thing. So here's, this is in Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus is on earth, and this is a prophecy. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's army will spread a wonderful feast for all of the people of the world. All of the people of the world. So we just went from in Jerusalem and we're thinking, okay, here's a little community, that's sweet, to the the Lord of heaven's armies, everyone, and it's going to be a feast for the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat, There he will remove the cloud of gloom. What do you think that means? The shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against this land, the people, the Lord has spoken. So maybe, you know, just like someone you're, you're, you're dreaming of the future and what might take place, maybe Jesus is dreaming of his marriage supper of the Lamb. Like he is actually, he's here at this wedding feast. And maybe it's a sign for him. Not only it's go time. But go time just means what he's going to have to pay to be able to sit at that banquet with you and I. It's just going to be the cost of being able to be at this moment. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or roar, mighty ocean waves, thunder, a crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. 
For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. And right here, if we'd have had the verses before, in Revelation, we're talking about the wars. We're talking about the final war. And Jesus comes riding a white horse, and his name is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and over everything. Just like we read in Isaiah of the, the, the Lord, the King of the Armies. Here it is. This is the end of Revelation. And he says, let's give him honor for the time has come, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of the pure linens to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. So who gets grace? Anyone invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb? And who is that? All of us. Everybody gets an invitation. For good people? No, we've, so, we've just seen the resume of everyone. If we're, if we're still at the place of going, yeah, but I think it's only for religious good people. You go, actually, most of the religious good people were sided against Jesus. They kind of didn't think they needed him. And the desperate people were the ones who were saying, you mean I've got an invitation to the wedding feast? So I think, you know, all of these signs that happen, all of the miracles, it's not just that Jesus can be compassionate, and he is. And it's not just to teach the disciples who he is, and it does. But it's pointing to the biggest story. The biggest story, and next week we're going to be, Tammy is going to be the one in here, because we're all on trips. Um, but, sorry. Yeah. But um, we're going to talk about what happened at the cross and the resurrection, what this shows about who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. But all of these miracles are pointing in some way to his ultimate restoration, reconciliation, and redemption of all of us. What do you think? Amen. Uh, that's so, so, <laughs> oh, so great. Amen. Yeah. I think just to think that maybe he was, in his mind, thinking about that future you know, why did he pick a wedding? Why is he picking wine? Like there's all of these questions. And then when you read this, like the end of this, the end of the story in Revelation and you're like, oh, wait, we're going to be at this big party mm -hmm. with God, mm -hmm. with Jesus. And, and so like to think that he might have been standing there mm -hmm. thinking about that moment with us, mm -hmm. to me, just as it's just gives me such joy mm -hmm. um, to That's think right. about that. And I always think when I'm when I'm thinking about this festival, like what would it be like to look across and see your children sitting in that crowd, sit, your neighbor sing, sitting in that crowd, the people that you value, the people that you're showing faith to throughout the world, sitting in that crowd, and to see them also pull up a chair there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. This is, anyway, that's, that's the heart. The kingdom of God, all funneling towards that. 
So what do I do with what I learned about Jesus the lover, Jesus the forgiver, and Jesus the miracle worker? Is this a round tables or is this is rhetorical or is this we can it is seven fifty two. Yeah. We can just talk about it as a group. I mean, what are you what are you gonna do with yeah, how does this I'm how does this change your change your life? <laughs> about you know being a better person loving more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. showing some grace more grace yeah yeah I mean th- I appreciate that because I think the stories even just if you just think about Jesus as um, an example of his graciousness the stories we looked at tonight there is not a a pretty person in that group <laughs> there's just not they're just all kind of not kind of, they're all broken. And so, like, how do, to your point, how am I treating people that are broken? You know, how am I treating Mm -hmm. those kind of people? So thinking of it from that way to motivate us to love better, Mm -hmm. I think is a worthy, a worthy thing. Mm-hmm. And also, at times, we're the greatest enemies of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's always that comparison. Do you see yourself or compare yourself? I'm not as good as a Christian as mm-hmm. this person. Or I, the things that I've done or the things that I do. And I think learning that about the loving, the forgiving, the miracle mm-hmm. worker wow. also can take pressure off you mm-hmm. as well, right? Because we define ourselves, you know, I, I know I do at times. I catch all my Mm. Right, and you know, sometimes we translate that even in church. We say that, well, I, you know, they're, they're, they're really great examples in this disciples. They're really great examples in the stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I'll be honest. That's like, I mean, I've been really quiet because I honestly don't know these stories. Mm. And I, you know, I, I keep quiet in my head, but it's also at the same time you hear them. It's like, hey, you know, don't put pressure on yourself. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. And I, I think because why Jesus. Every single time, oh, I'm going to go to this class. So to me, it's 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 actually in a way, it's it's giving me a little bit of relief and saying, don't be too hard on yourself because why? That's good. God loves you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are faithful to Him and you you believe, and that really mm-hmm. that really works out. Yeah. That's good. Well, we talked a lot. Um, if you if you listen to the beginning about just how we we all are on a, a journey, and wherever we are is where we are. You know, and if you don't know these stories and we get to be the first people to introduce you to these stories, oh, that's so awesome. You know, that makes me happy for you 
to learn about God and to learn about Jesus um, in just these little snippets of who getting to know who he really was. Mm -hmm. Because I think, again, whatever culture tells us um, he was, it's, it, it's not this. It's not, this isn't what we, and this isn't always what the church to your, not that you said this, Vu, but you know, sometimes I think people do feel a little bit like, well, I feel embarrassed because I don't know these stories. Well, nobody knows the stories until they learn the story. You know, like, I mean, so it's that study, just studying, studying, you know. Um, when the first time that uh, Robbie and I went to Israel, we went with this uh, seminary professor. Mm. And I mean, I, it was like the most amazing thing. Like I, and I told him, I said, you know, when I read the Bible, I hear like a little melody. I can, I know, oh, that's this story, blah, blah, blah. And you hear a symphony. So just like Robbie was showing that, that wedding at Cana goes back to Isaiah, but it also goes forward to like, that's the symphony that this professor could just, mm. and um, at first I was uh, ashamed. You know, I was embarrassed. I didn't, I didn't ask questions. Mm. Robbie was asking all these questions and I was like, oh, I, want to say something dumb and so I didn't really talk that much but then you know the Lord really convicted me said if you maybe not as much as this professor because he's really really smart but if you apply yourself you the my word can sound like a symphony to you too mm -hmm. but you have to apply yourself you have to put the time in do you want to put the time in then this I'm offering this to you and that's what you're doing by being here that's what you're doing. You're putting in the time to get to know, just like you would for any relationship. And that is a really good thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, but had I not heard that from him, it yeah. from so another like another person good. walking alongside you. Yeah. I like that. We're a group of learners, right? I mean, that's our our phrase. We're a group of learners on a journey together. Yeah. Anybody else? How are you going to walk out different, seeing this, getting to know Jesus in this way? All right, let me um, close us I in. think you want to say what's next. Oh, what's next? Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we talked about this already, that these are, we answered those two questions. And then um, next week, it's chapter 10 and 11, Jesus the Redeemer, Reconciler and Restorer. Okay, the chapters are really about the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then after that will be what we're calling Choose Your Own Adventure, which is uh, with Chris and Gabe 
just answering the Q&A. And you can bring more questions yeah. on that day. You can pepper them. You can yes. do whatever you want to. Yes. Keep them here all night. No, and then we have one more after that. Yeah. Yep. One yep. more after that. And Robbie and I will be back for that one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Is there a part two or no? Not at this point, but you can petition Gabe and Chris. Oh, you have to do this part two to, to make it work. <laughs> we want to discover more about Jesus. That's discovering right. more. Discovering more about <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you go. All right, let me pray for us. Lord, it really is amazing to me that um, one of the best descriptors of you is that you are a lover, that you loved us so much that you sent your son, that Jesus, you loved us so much that you came, that you left the beauty of heaven to come and join us here and what must have seemed like um, just squalor to you. And yet you did it with joy because you love us. Lord, that you, um, as we're going to learn next week, that you you were in charge of uh, the, the week of your death. You weren't a victim. You laid your life down mm -hmm. because you love us. You love the thief on the cross. You love the woman caught in adultery. You... Mm -hmm. um, love and forgave the prostitute who poured oil on your feet and uh, washed your feet with her tears. Uh, you're more tender than we give you credit for. Mm. You love us more than we give you credit for, than mm. this world gives you credit for. Let us be um, the dispensers of that this week. Let us be a voice to others to ourselves, to um, each other in this room, um, and to other people around us of, hey, do you know who, that Jesus loves you? Um, he loves you so much that he died for you. Mm. Let us live like we're loved, Father. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen.